0: This is a Healthier Michigan podcast, episode 62. Coming up, we discuss how to build resilience. Welcome to a Healthier Michigan podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to navigating how we can all improve our health and well-being through small, healthy habits we can start implementing right now. I'm your host, Chuck Gadeka, and every other week, we sit down with a certified health expert, others to help us navigate and take deep dives into topics that cover nutrition, fitness, and a whole lot more. And on this episode, we're talking about resilience and what we can do to strengthen it. With me today is a sales executive at New Directions Behavioral Health, Alejandra Juarez. Good to have you with us, Alejandra
1: Thank you for having me. Glad to be here.
0: Well, I'm glad you're here because you've got so much in your professional life where you kind of surround the edges of behavioral health with new directions in your position in sales. And I know that you are deeply passionate about this idea of treating the whole person. And for goodness sakes, in this era we're in now, where we're moving through this new pandemic era, we're all kind of asking questions about ourselves, our family members, our kids. You know, How do we stay resilient? when we're facing issues that we're all facing. But this is interesting because you've got a unique family background where you have yourself had to deal with integrating, you know, behavioral and physical health care all in the same way. So I want to let you share some of that story because I think outside of your professional life, what you've experienced personally really does set the table for this discussion about resilience and behavioral health.
1: Yes, it was an interesting situation where at the beginning of my career, while I was focusing on medical benefits and overall health, my family was confronted by a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis for my mother. And that really made me clearly see how overall health is so deeply tied to emotional well-being And although there is a lot that we could all read about statistics about mental health and that connection to overall physical well-being, to have it unfold in front of your eyes just lends a very unique perspective and, and really helped me in my professional development connect the dots between physical health, emotional health, and how individuals navigate difficult journeys in their health.
0: So how young were you when you learned of your mom's diagnoses?
1: Well, I was in high school when my mom was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. But as I began to grow as an adult and have more ability to recognize the challenges that my family was confronted, I just started to notice more of that connection. And in my experience, really began to see that perhaps the challenges my mom was facing were not just ones of a illness diagnosis, but of an emotional stressor that she was also having to grapple with. And, um, you know, of course, being in the medical field as a consultant for medical benefits, telling this story has been incredibly important to being able to demonstrate to the communities that I've served how that link is so intertwined and and how we really can't speak of treating illnesses without addressing emotional well-being.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's so nice of you to be willing to share this story because Your context, while it may be different for a lot of us, I watched my mom and dad go through separate situations. I've shared before on the podcast, lost both of them last year to separate illnesses, but my mom was Alzheimer's, and over the course of about six and a half years, you see similar things to what you're discussing, you know, in a a whole different context with MS. So are you the only sibling? Were there others in your family that were being impacted, your dad as well, et cetera? I'm not sure who else was there with you in this journey.
1: Yes, I'm the oldest of three children, and I think that as the oldest in my family, I really took to heart being able to support my dad and my mother and my siblings along that process. I think that when anyone is struggling going through a journey of a chronic disease, something that they may not be able to fully recover from, it just puts into play a great deal of dynamics into family, well-being, financial, and uh, everything that really is impacted when illness is driving some of those family dynamics.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's interesting to me that we tend to think of storms of life that kind of pop up you know, and they're all fast-moving, and they move through, and then they're done. But that's not the case for every family. I mean, it's uh, it really is that something that storms can come and sit a, a while, you know, and just kind of spin around, and you're living with them for years. Some do move through, and they cause damage in, in a family life or in your own resiliency, and then they move on. But we've used that word right from the top, resilience. How do you—well, I guess, how do you define it? What is it, and what is it not?
1: Yeah, you've brought up an excellent point. I think that we see life present different life challenges. Some may be short lived and some might, you know, stay with us a little bit longer. But the way that I define resilience is being able to recover from adversity or difficulties, a sort of toughness that people can build through healthy habits and putting into place some best practices to growing and developing this resiliency that we're speaking of today.
0: And were you able to see and even experience with your own family's dynamic and your mom's illness a way to funnel your energy? I mean, you've talked about this connection or the I guess the way for you to even explain, you know, in your sales position, you've got real there there when you talk about experiencing something. Were you able to funnel some of your angst maybe in a certain direction that gave you more peace and comfort and resilience? Did you see that occurring in your own life?
1: Well, for me, I felt that it was empowering to go through this experience and being able to focus on my work in advocating for behavioral health. That was an important outlet for me because I understood that I couldn't be the only person having to support a parent through a difficult uh, medical event. And in knowing that I wasn't the only one experiencing something like this, it really gave me the strength to bring to the forefront a topic that I feel that for a very long time we've been hesitant to speak of, and that is mental health, and overall well-being. Of course, nowadays, this has become more commonplace. I think we're making great strides in removing the stigma, and topics like resilience are coming to the forefront because individuals want to understand how they can be happier and healthier and really recover from the many challenges that life presents us
0: and then there you are starting off in high school but i witnessed this with my own dad and then eventually my siblings i'm also the oldest of three kids in my family but you're a caregiver and now the circles radiate out right from your mom's illness to others around her that are being impacted by that you included so you're trying to pay attention to yourself And yet you're also looking at others thinking, oh, man, each one of us, you know, may be affected by this differently. Somebody may fall to their knees and cry over it, and you may be stronger, and and resilience comes from it. You know what I mean? It's, It's tough to figure out how to help people. Sometimes maybe you just need to sit and chat with them. That's all you can do.
1: Absolutely. Lending support to those that are struggling in their health, whether it be physical or emotional, is such a great way to be there for them. It helps them best align where they find themselves and know that they are cared for and loved. I feel that approaching all matters with regards to health with a great deal of compassion and support is truly important and needed by those that are in the journey themselves.
0: And so as we look at this idea again of behavioral health I think you've mentioned mental health, and it, you know, it goes out from there. It could be anxiety, depression. There could be you know, issues with drug addiction, substance abuse, et cetera. But behavioral health in today's world, has that taken on a, any kind of different meaning, or is it a broad category that's the big umbrella over a lot of different things?
1: Yes, you know, to simplify the definition, it's an umbrella term that covers mental health and substance use, but I do believe that in recent times the terminology has changed in efforts to remove some of the stigma that had affected the understanding of mental health and substance use. So being able to place the word behavior in the term behavioral health that encompasses these health topics really lends to individuals to be empowered and understand that they can make changes in their lives to improve their own health.
0: So resilience is good for us to build. It kind of reminds me of the idea that, you know, I need to go do some sit-ups or push-ups or something as part of my workout. How do we look to build resilience in our life? And then how can that new muscle of building resilience really help affect our mental health and our outlook on life in general?
1: That's a great way to look at resilience. I, too, believe that it's a muscle that you can practice and train and become stronger at. Good practices that individuals who have this resilience or toughness will put into place is just being able to look at different situations and detect the cause of their problems so that they can address them. You know, people that are in tune to their emotions and can manage and move forward by taking actions that help address the problem at hand. Of course, you know, being able to stay calm in stressful situations and being realistic about the challenges that we face are great characteristics of resilience.
0: And so if you're flexing that muscle and using it, you may know intuitively that you're getting better at being resilient, but what would be some of the characteristics we would see in ourselves or in someone else? What would be some of the flags that go up saying, man, I'm this is really working. I'm feeling better. I guess that's one of them, you know, as you're walking through a storm somehow. But what would you say are some of the other things we should be looking for that it's working?
1: Well, I think that when someone is presented with a life challenge, if they are able to trust themselves as they navigate that challenge and see the positive in what they are confronting and know that they'll make it out the other end, that is a good sign that you are building on your resilience. You know, to trust themselves, to give themselves the empathy that is needed to navigate through those challenges is of great importance and be able to motivate themselves. I think that, you know, when difficulties arise, it's very easy to, you know, take a step back and say, you know, why try? Why move towards in this direction? And I think that when individuals practice resilience, they are living a daily habit of positivity, being able to speak of affirmations in their daily life, focusing on the positive, being able to find humor in certain situations. I know that I utilize that a great deal to overcome some of the challenges that I've confronted. And turning failures into positive lessons so that the next time you are confronted with a similar challenge, you have a set of tools to draw upon Mm. and be able to confront the next challenge ahead. You know, what I've learned in my experience is that life throws a lot of curveballs at us, and sometimes those are going to be small daily stressors, or they may be more intense life challenges that can leave profound effects on our lives. All of those requiring us to be resilient and stretch us to different degrees.
0: You know, it's interesting as you describe it, because you think of this idea as life being filled with changes. Change is the one thing that's always constant, right? And here we are in this new world and trying to figure out when we're going to come out the other side. I remember. Back in the day, I was a little guy. I had a favorite uncle, my dad's brother. He lived right upstairs of us, inner city Chicago, and he passed away suddenly at age 39. I mean, this was my hero. This was the guy I'd made snowmen with and, you know, did all went to see movies with. And, and I remember being at the funeral, and somebody used a line that we've all heard over our lifetime. You know, why do bad things happen to good people? And it's a, it's a good line to use in certain circumstances, especially when that person was a good person, you know. And as I got older, I would use that line myself. And then I discovered that the line comes from the name of a book, a title of a book. And the title of the book, which is written by a rabbi, actually, Rabbi Harold Kushner, the title of the book is, When bad things happen to good people. And his one of his premises is, it's just a matter of time before something bad is going to happen. Something is going to, th- life, as you put it, is going to throw you a curveball. And so resilience becomes critically important because he's saying, it's not a why, it's a when.
1: Absolutely. You brought up some great points. And I think that we can all very much relate to what you've shared with regards to losing a loved relative, your uncle in this case. And although it is a matter of time before we confront challenges, I think that there is an optimism that we can hone in on in knowing that when we practice being resilient and when we've overcome one challenge, that we can move on to the next challenge that comes our way. And I think that optimism is something that I really hang on to and practicing gratitude is also a component of that for me. I think that when we're able to experience maybe a loss that, you know, causes grief in our lives, being able to reflect on what we are grateful for and the time that we had with that loved one and the experience that they lend to our own lives is something that I find a great deal of comfort in. And of course, you know, resilience is something that can really help us navigate some of those very real challenges, like losing someone.
0: Yeah. And back to your analogy or the one that we discussed together, the idea of it's like, you know, working out or flexing a muscle, this idea that if you're practicing positive thoughts, you're really experiencing and going out of your way to be In gratitude to what happens even in the smallest of things in your life, I think we've got to be patient with ourselves, don't we, about how we're building that muscle of resilience because it doesn't come overnight. It's like saying, well, you know, I'd like to drop 40 pounds and I'll do it by next Thursday. Not realistic. You know, don't beat up on yourself because it just didn't happen that fast, you know.
1: Yes, absolutely. Putting good practices into place and building healthy habits is a matter of making small changes that you're consistent on. But although resilience does need to be practiced to build it to be stronger, I think that there's a lot of hope in knowing that this is not something that you're either born with or born without. Mm. The thing that gives me great optimism is that Everyone can become more resilient. And if we can be more self aware and be adaptable and learn best practices to navigate adversity through, we can really find ourselves on the other end of those life challenges in a better, more positive way.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and it is tough when you're in the middle of the dust bowl of the 30s or the COVID pandemic or whatever it is. It is tough for a lot of people to look out and realize that there is a brighter tomorrow coming. It does seem like patience is a real virtue, you know, that you've really got to stick with that idea of being positive. Because someday, you know, we did come out of the dust bowl, we did come out of a recession, we did come out of a depression, and we'll come out of this thing too, you know?
1: Absolutely. And that's where hopefulness and a positive outlook can really help us navigate these difficult times. I mean, I know that in the last several months, Looking at all of the news and the statistics and the information, it was a bit overwhelming. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. So, of course, sticking to those healthy habits that have helped me navigate difficult times has been very important. We know a lot of people, you know, began to practice more hobbies that allowed them to disconnect. So, maybe cooking or maybe finding exercise routines that they were able to do at home, all of these things allowing us to clear our minds, focus on the positive, and really strengthen our ability to cope with crisis and different adversity.
0: So i if I'm prying too much, I want you to tell me, but i uh, we didn't hear the rest of the story, and I don't know if we heard even the first half of you navigating this new normal with your mom having MS, but how was her journey. We're hearing a bit more about your journey. Was she able to navigate the treacherous waters of life with MS with a positive attitude, or were you seeing it affect her in a different way?
1: That's an interesting question, and I think that with regards to any chronic illness, you're going to have an ebb and flow of how you're doing physically, how you're doing emotionally, And no day may be the same as the last. Mm -hmm. So I think that since MS is a condition that lends to a lengthy journey, I would not be able to classify it as one. I just know that with this condition, there's just a great deal of physical challenges. And those physical challenges do present different emotional challenges themselves, So um, my mother's doing well, but of course, this is something that she's going to have to continue. And I just feel very lucky that in my professional experience, I've been able to learn so much about that mind and body connection Mm -hmm. so that I'd be able to be a better support to her in this lifelong journey that she is now going to be facing.
0: And can we touch on that a moment? It's not necessarily related directly to MS or, or Alzheimer's or any specific disease, but the idea that there is a connection between mind and body. So even if your body, or vice versa, some diseases attack the mind, if one of those components is suffering, There are still ways to bolster. For some, I've seen uh, men with Parkinson's go to a boxing class and all of a sudden they're able to walk better and there's something firing off in the brain that wasn't before. You know, there is a connection there that if you exercise even the physical part of you, it helps the mental health part of you.
1: Yes, that's a great way to illustrate that mind and body connection. I think that because one affects the other. There's more evidence of this. And I think that as a society, we're really starting to see clearly that you can't speak of health without thinking of physical health and emotional health and putting into place all those practices that will help your emotional well-being but your overall health as well. Exercising is such a powerful tool to supporting emotional well-being. I'll share that running is one of my favorite things to do when I feel elevated stress in my life. So perhaps I have a big project up ahead or perhaps there's a life event that happens. And for me to be able to lace up and get out there and run is a great stress reliever. Not only is it good for my mind, but I know that it's good for my overall health.
0: Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, for me, that was, well, probably for 25 years, I was never a long distance guy, but I was like the three mile a day guy, grab a dog, lace up the shoes and got to go. But I found that outlet as well in things that wouldn't seem as, um, Well, we wouldn't categorize them as exercise. For me, gardening. I could get lost for two hours in the garden. I mean, literally pulling weeds. And when I'm done, I'm like, wow, that was great. And it's just my thing, right? I mean, I know it's a lot of other people's thing too, but it doesn't always have to be the physical activity as much as it is letting your mind sort of, you know, drift away.
1: Absolutely. And we have a wonderful setting here in Michigan that allows us to go into nature and just be able to spend some time de-stressing and removing ourselves from our daily environment and finding an escape where we might not have to, you know, go on a very lengthy hike, but we do know that spending time in nature or outdoors, or like you shared, gardening has shown significant improvements in individuals' health.
0: It's funny we went down that path, forgive the pun, but tomorrow morning my brother is in from up north, and the first thing we're going to do is meet at 9 a.m. and go for a walk. It's either Mayberry State Park or Kensington Metro Park, you know, just to connect and just to go out and just to chat. And that We could do it in my family room, but why not get out there? You're right. We live in a beautiful state, and sometimes we take it for granted.
1: Yes. And, you know, like I said, it's the landscape that we have. Many of these areas to explore are in our own backyard. And having the opportunity to be near the water is another thing that I certainly don't take for granted living in Michigan. Oh, yeah. I've lived in a landlocked state before. So I certainly think that there's value in being able to see different aspects of nature. And the reality is, is that I even sometimes just like to sit in my own backyard and look at some of my own efforts in planting and gardening and being able to find a reprieve from daily life in that process.
0: Yeah, and you're bringing it back home to the idea, as we've discussed a little bit today, that it can be in the little things. You know, I think so many of us—I have to admit that sometimes that's the case for me, but I think I've met people that everything that's going to give them a release or they're going to look for has to be this grand— La la, you know, this big moment where the sun comes out after the storm and it's on, there's a rainbow. And well, no, maybe it is just sitting in the backyard with a cup of coffee and, and looking at the birds. You know, I saw a hummingbird today and I, I'm sitting there marveling at what he's doing, just flying around, you know, and I'm thinking, what a, what a peaceful life. No worry about a 401k or a car payment, just a hummingbird and I'm having a ball watching him, you know? It was just so peaceful.
1: Yes, absolutely. Our own backyards or our neighborhoods or the many local parks that we are lucky to have at our disposal certainly can create avenues for us to find these habits, for us to practice healthy living and be able to build that resilience.
0: Well, before we start to wrap things up with some specific takeaways, I do want to ask you a question because you seem like you're the perfect coach. I know you must be extraordinarily gifted as a salesperson, but you would be a wonderful person to walk alongside people, you know, and and that's a blessing that you've got that gift that you can do that. But when someone who may be listening right now has got a mindset that isn't quite positive or has just been given a diagnosis, you know, of something critical in their life, how do you shift? What is your suggestion as to how somebody stops and literally shifts so they can get on that new path to resilience? Are there tricks that you can imagine that we can use or, or you things that you've witnessed in your own life, experiences that can help us downshift and move on to something more positive?
1: Well, it's interesting that you ask that because I think that for me professionally and in my pursuit to be someone who is supportive to others who are facing life challenges, I think the best thing that we can do is listen. Mm. I think that if we listen to those that are confronted with a life challenge and give them the space and room to really explore their own feelings about what they're going through, you'll be able to maybe not necessarily tell them something that they need to do, but give them the space to share in their emotion or share in the difficulty that they're experiencing. And I just think that there's no greater skill than listening thoughtfully so that people can express what they're going through.
0: Now, that's really great advice because I know as a type A guy, I'll just admit it, that often listening can come off If it goes on for a while as being a bit on the boring side where I think I need to mansplain, you know, I need to step in and go, listen, listen, here's how I would fix it. Right. (laughs) And it, it is the way I'm wired and having five kids. I know that they look to dad sometimes for advice, but I've also learned in my lifetime to dial that down and listening. It's far more powerful.
1: Yes. Listening is powerful, and that doesn't mean that we're not going to perhaps share in our own experience with someone who has approached us to find support, but I think that it is important to being able to fully understand the place that someone may be coming from. You know, I'll share with you that I recently went through a loss within my family, and Many times before that, people had reached out to me sharing in their own grief and loss. And I knew in those times when I had not yet experienced grief in that way or a loss in that way, that all I could do was listen. Because sometimes you just don't have enough perspective To give the best counsel and to really understand what someone's going through. So, for me, when I've been unaware of what someone really is going through, or when someone goes through something that I myself am not familiar with, I just go back to listening and providing words of support, you know, just reminding those individuals when appropriate that things will be better and that every day can be different and that there are things that they can certainly do to arrive at a better place.
0: Well, I think you gave us a big takeaway there. And Alejandra Juarez, uh, I know that you must be a masterful sales executive, but I'm telling you, when you step into Alejandra Life Coach, you need to let me know because... You are also a masterful encourager. You just are gifted in that department in life. So I hope that you exercise that muscle with others in your life as you're sharing with us today because you're a joy to talk to.
1: Well, I appreciate that so much. And it is my pleasure to be able to find myself in a situation that through my own experience, I am able to share with others support and empathy and show them that there is a way to overcome some of the challenges that life presents us with
0: well thanks so much for your time today and i hope you will be well and your family too
1: thank you so much thank you for allowing me to join you today
0: oh our pleasure alejandra juarez who is uh, a sales executive with new directions behavioral health but as you heard she needs to be a life coach. She needs to help us all out. We're glad you were with us today. Thanks for listening to A Healthier Michigan Podcast. It's brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like our show, you want to know more about it, check us out online, org slash podcast. You can leave reviews there, ratings on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. You can get new episodes, old episodes on your smartphone or tablet, and you can subscribe to us. At Apple Podcast, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. I'm Chuck Gatica. Be well.